It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. What is the role of the FBI? Who oversees the Bureau? And how does the FBI decide what cases they're going to investigate? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. So when you think of the FBI, your mind might go immediately to what you see in television and movies, those aviator glasses, these mysterious people solving crimes, flashing their badges. But in reality, the organization operates a little bit differently than you might think. The FBI, otherwise known as the Federal Bureau of Investigation, was founded over 100 years ago and protects some of the country's most important intelligence information in order to minimize threats. So why was the FBI created? How is the bureau organized? And what kind of authority does it possess? Here today to answer all of these questions is a guy with a lot of insider information. It is retired FBI special agent John Yonarelli. And John joins me now. John, how's it going? It's going great, Abby. Thanks for having me. You are such a cool person. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you because 20 years as an FBI agent, your investigative work includes the Oklahoma City bombing, 9-11 attack, the Sony hack, so many more things. These are very serious. These, these are some instances that have really affected us as a country, um, has affected a lot of communities. And... It's really easy to get wrapped up in kind of the glamorized version of the FBI. Is it like what it's like in the movies and television? How close is it? It's not very close at all, but I will say it's far better. You watch a TV show and it's wrapped up in an hour. The life of an FBI agent, you're immersing yourself in some of the most important things happening in the world. And you're working that for days, months, weeks at a time, sometimes even years. Wow. Years. What kind of instance would take years to investigate? Think of the Enron case with the Uh, magnitude of information and all the voluminous files to be gone through. Mafia investigations back in the day in New York City, that took years. And now we're still working complex terrorism cases in the FBI that are ongoing since 9-11 and will continue for years in the future. I could imagine that every day for you looks different, but what is a typical day like? I mean, is there something that happens every day that you know, okay, this is why I'm going to go through paperwork, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go out in the field. I mean, talk to me about those types of things. The life of an FBI agent, it's sort of like uh, the best laid plans of mice and men. You wake up in the morning and think you know what you're going to do, but the beauty of being in the FBI is no two days are alike. On a quiet day, you're going to get into the office and you're going to review and write reports, go over the work that you've performed already to finalize it, because everything has to be documented. There's a saying in law enforcement, if it's not in writing, it never occurred. You need to make sure you have a report on everybody you spoke with, every piece of evidence collected, and get all that ready for the prosecutor. But of course, you're a phone call away from being interrupted and having to go back out in the field and do the next investigation. Right. So you always have to be prepared. You're always on call. How do you even become an FBI agent? 
So becoming an FBI agent can be challenging, but it's incredibly rewarding. What the FBI looks for, first of all, there are no slackers in the FBI. Mm. You have to have done well in school and you had to have been a participant in things. We want people with work experience, extracurricular activities. In addition to that, physical fitness is important. Your background, have you been involved in any criminal or nefarious behavior? Everyone entering the FBI has to pass a polygraph. We talk to your family, friends, neighbors, etc. If you complete all that successfully, including the medical exam, you get invited to come to the FBI Academy and complete 20 odd weeks of training where you live and work around the clock to learn the craft of being an agent. And only then do you get the badge and gun. And even then you're on probation for two years before you're a full time agent. Wow. So two years. So you can go through all that and then you're still kind of training for two years. It takes a long time to learn the craft. You're under the tutelage of a senior agent who he or she will show you the ropes and how things work out in the field so that you can learn the different procedures. The FBI has over 1,000 forms that you have to know how to fill out depending upon what the situation is to document your investigation. And then, of course, you're learning the craft meeting people, how to interview them, how to get information from people who might not want to give it up. Mm. All of that is in the making of becoming a good FBI agent. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Let me ask you this. There are a lot of instances where the FBI need to get involved, um, you know, especially in, in today's world. But if you go back in time, what is the history of the FBI? Why did we create this organization to begin with? So the FBI was established way back when, long before agents even had the ability to carry guns to protect themselves, to work with local law enforcement, because a lot of the crimes was occurring past state lines. So a police department in one area might not have an ability to chase a subject or conduct an investigation that left the state and moved on. So the FBI evolved to be able to help tie all these crimes together and work with local police agencies. But of course it morphed over time. We started with bank robbers and things of that nature, but then as organized crime grew and certainly terrorism we see, That's the need for the FBI, where you have resources, not only throughout the United States, but throughout the world to be able to keep, at the end of the day, U.S. citizens safe. Mm -hmm. All right. So when you're tasked with an investigation, what kind of authority does the FBI have? What kind of cases involve that organization as opposed to something like, you know, the CIA, Secret Service, SWAT? Can you just differentiate those organizations for me? The FBI is an investigative and intelligence gathering organization. We have law enforcement, police powers. We can make arrests and bring persons to trial through the United States Attorney's Office. Other organizations like the National Security Agency, the CIA, they're specifically supposed to be intelligence gathering outside of the United States. The FBI focuses their intelligence efforts more within the United States. Likewise, 
when you look at agencies like the Secret Service that have the mission of protection and they also do some computer crime area, they're very focused on very specific mission. The FBI, there's over 400 different federal violations for which they have jurisdiction to investigate. And then primarily, too, to help local law enforcement with resources that a local agency might not have. Do people typically start off in the FBI or is it common for someone to go from one organization to the next or um, like, for instance, the, the DIA? Do we see DIA agents moving to the FBI, vice versa? How does that all work? What you don't see is a lot of agents leaving the FBI for other agencies. I think a lot of that is because uh, the FBI is certainly the most visible of the agencies, but the variety. There's so many different types of crime, so many different squads that you can be assigned to. I like to say in 20 years with the FBI, you could have 20 different careers by moving assignments and doing something different. Ah, I see. So are there how was the FBI organized? Are there different units that you can be a part of? Is that what you're referring to when you say, you know, you could be in there for 20 years and do 20 different things? Essentially, there's 56 field offices of the FBI throughout the United States. And then we have offices overseas known as our legates attached to U.S. embassies in about 85 different countries. Each field office is made up of a series of squads Depending upon the size of the office, there may be 20, 30, even more squads, each squad dealing with a different violation. You might have the reactive squad that responds to bank robberies and kidnappings, the terrorism squad, the cyber squad. And as an agent, based on your skill set and a little bit of what you want to do, you are assigned to a squad where you get to work those specific violations. What about jurisdiction? I Let's say you're in Hawaii and you're by one of the bases by Pearl Harbor. If there is a crime that happens, how do you know when it falls under, let's say, the NCIS? And how do you know when it falls under the FBI? Jurisdiction within law enforcement is always a concern and something to be careful about. Nobody wants to be stepping on somebody else's toes inadvertently. Within the FBI, there's a jurisdiction you have for the federal violations. For example, I'm in the state of Arizona. So the Phoenix office of the FBI covers the entire state of Arizona. But within Arizona, the FBI has memorandums of understanding with other law enforcement agencies, recognizing that if we both work the same violation, we'll talk to each other first and decide which one of us is going to take the case. It's very important that the FBI and law enforcement does that because we don't want to waste taxpayer dollars by having two sets of groups working on the exact Mm. same crime unless we're partnering and working together. Does that happen often where you partner? The FBI relies on working with the locals and vice versa. Many times we've done cases with other federal agencies as well because it's all about leveraging resources. It's great fodder for the movies to show the infighting amongst agencies. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we have a common mission. And the truth is we get along very well because we want to serve the greater good. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you both, you know, everyone exists to solve the crimes and to bring justice to the people. Um, So it, it makes sense that you would work together. So that's really nice to hear. 
What what kind of evidence and information do you deal with? I know each case is different, but just generally speaking, what do you see on a day to day? Take your average crimes. Let's say it's a bank robbery, for example, that occurs. Agents, along with local law enforcement, are going to respond to the bank. You're going to conduct interviews of witnesses, which is going to be a form of evidence. You're going to look for physical evidence. Maybe it's fingerprints that were left behind, photographs from surveillance cameras. You're going to look for what was the getaway vehicle that was used and what evidence can you get from that vehicle, especially if it's recovered. If you find the subject and you get a search warrant and go to the residence, which I've done many times in the past, you're going to seize clothing that matched what the person was wearing on the day of the crime. And forensically, we can show from photographs how it was the exact same shirt and pants based on lines and creases that the labs of the FBI will examine and look at. Likewise, you're going to take a look at their computer. Have they done any research online, even if it's deleted? There's ways of pulling it back to see, have they been looking at the bank? Did they write a demand note using the computer and printer? All of that can be retrieved. There's a large array of evidence that can be collected and used all to get a conviction of the person who committed the crime. So in something like a bank robbery, when does that go to the FBI instead of just local law enforcement? Generally, banks are federally insured, which gives it FBI jurisdiction. But because bank robbery is not uncommon and there's a lot of different agencies that would work it, including the local police, because robbery is a crime. Generally, there'll be an agreement with the local agency. If, say, for example, this is a series of robberies, this individual has been robbing banks, say, throughout the Northeast, the FBI is probably going to take the lead because your local police agency, you probably don't want them spending your dollars to travel to other states to continue investigation. Whereas in the FBI, I can simply just pick up the phone and call the adjoining field office and talk to an agent there who will go out and interview someone for me. If it's a local matter where the person's probably not leaving the city, lives close by the bank, more than likely that would be something that the police could work because it wouldn't be an extra expenditure of resources. But regardless of who works it, the other entity is always willing to help and provide resources. I've gone to a lot of bank robberies that have been worked by the local agencies and happy to give them whatever we can to help them solve the case. And they've done the same for us. Right. I mean, that kind of goes back to your original point of how the FBI started kind of the need for this agency that was able to travel across state lines so that local law enforcement in one place doesn't have to travel all the way to another place. So, I mean, it kind of is reminiscent of the origins of the FBI. In many ways, it is. And likewise, the FBI, another effort to support local law enforcement They run what's called the National Academy. This has been around since 1935. Four times a year, the FBI invites a couple of hundred of senior police officers, not just from the United States, but around the world, to come to the FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia. There they undergo about 10 weeks of advanced training so that these high-ranking chiefs and lieutenants Captains can go back to their departments with the latest developments in law enforcement, leadership, and all the other tools you need for good policing. Take it back to their departments so that they can spread the good word and use these advanced techniques in solving their own crimes. Mm-hmm. Well, how in solving crimes, obviously, you need to have an organized 
game plan. I mean, you guys talk amongst one another, but how? What is the hierarchy within the agency itself? Starting with you know who runs it down to you know what who you report to. Can you lay that out for me? The attorney general, first and foremost is who the FBI reports to. The director of the FBI answers to the attorney general, who of course answers to the president. Within the FBI, we have the director, who currently Chris Ray in Washington, D.C. Underneath the director, there'll be a series of assistant directors over different programs, an assistant director of the cyber program, an assistant director over the criminal program, an assistant director for terrorism. Below the assistant directors, Manning our field offices are what's called special agent in charge. That is the top person in each of our 56 field offices. They are responsible for their jurisdiction and ultimately what happens under their control, all of which is directed by headquarters. Below the special agent in charge, there are assistant special agents who below them have supervisors. And finally, below the supervisors, are the bread and butter of the FBI, the men and women special agents who go out and do the investigation. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention, there is a whole cadre of support staff. These are non-agent employees, but have dedicated themselves to supporting the mission of the FBI, working in all different capacities, whether it be analyst, secretary, and everything in between to get the job done. Absolutely. I mean, just with any organization, every single person is important and and it wouldn't exist without those people. So the the director, too, can be removed by the president, right? That is correct. Does that happen every changeover of presidency? The design of the director of the FBI's position is for 10 year term, meaning that they would serve more than one president and wouldn't necessarily have to worry about an incoming president changing them over. Of course, the president has the ultimate say uh, whether or not an FBI director would stay. And an FBI director has to be confirmed as well to take the position in office. But the FBI hasn't had many directors. In recent uh, past, uh, Louis Free was the director of the FBI for just shy of a decade. Uh, Robert Mueller was extended for two years past a 10-year term, uh, coming in just days before 9-11 occurred. Subsequent to him, uh, James Comey and now Christopher Wray, as opposed to other federal agencies that change directors every couple of years, the FBI has had only a handful. And of course, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, who was head of the FBI for more than 40 years. Mm. You know, when you talk about these people and you talk about someone who head of FBI for 40 years, that's a job that you want to stay in. And, and it seems like you really enjoy uh, you were in for 20 years. Why? Why did you in particular choose the FBI over any other agency? The FBI is known as the world's premier law enforcement agency. I've had the good fortune to travel the world and train law enforcement officers in other countries and see firsthand how they view the United States and the FBI especially. Likewise, the challenge involved with all the different violations. Few people join the FBI and think of it as, eh, it's a job. The reality is it's too hard to get this job to think of it as anything less than a career. Most people stay in for the long term. Many 
uh, lead the FBI only after they age out. We have a mandatory retirement age, and that's when many of our agents move on. I see. Yeah. I, I mean, to be an agent of in any of these organizations, it takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of wit and uh, skill. What how often, you know, obviously the job looks different um, for you. We talked about this earlier day to day and, you know, some involves paperwork and investigation and a lot of reading and research and interviewing people and then also going out in the field. What's that balance like? How often are you interviewing suspects and how often are you busting through doors yelling FBI? The job of a particular agent varies based on their assignment. White collar squad might not be going out and knocking down doors on a regular basis, but honestly, it can be one of the more dangerous jobs because you're dealing with an element of criminal that's not necessarily used to the prison world and might take dangerous action to avoid being arrested. We've seen that in many occasions. Same in the cyber world as well. Uh, Violent crime agents, they are going out regularly and making arrests and they're dealing with that danger on a regular basis. And all agents, what they have in common, they are interviewing people and they are writing reports because the most important part of this job is speaking to people, gathering information, not just from subjects, but from witnesses and other people who may have intelligence that can help solve crimes. You bring up a a point that just made me think of a question. When you're interviewing these people, I mean, sometimes they can be in that that room for hours and hours and you're interviewing them and they they probably remember talking to you. Do you ever worry that if they are if these criminals are brought to justice that one day they will remember you? Are you ever nervous that they'll, you know, come back for revenge? I know that's an odd question to ask and and I'm sensitive to the answer, but that seems like a, a huge risk to me. Whether you're an FBI agent, police officer or anything else in the law enforcement world, There are inherent risks in the job, and the men and women who take on these jobs understand that. But all of us are well-trained. We know what the risks are. We know how to handle ourselves. Criminals may remember the law enforcement that they were dealing with. I guarantee you the law enforcement officer remembers the criminal as well Mm. and knows how to deal with the situation. Likewise, it's not just a criminal, though. I've sat in rooms, as have every other agent, dealing with witnesses or victims and spending hours with them to try to solve these crimes and also help them. Because at the end of the day, FBI agents, law enforcement officers do their job to help the victims and keep the rest of the citizenry safe. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. What do you think is the most important skill for you to have? Because as you talk about keeping people, you know, communicating with victims, even that takes a special skill of, you know, you ha- you want to have empathy, but also you have to be professional at the same time. You have to be able to be physical. I mean, th- there are so many different things that come to mind. What do you think is the most important one? When FBI looks for personnel, they're looking for people with good common sense. And some people have more of it than others out in the world. But you want somebody who can think on their feet, who can be objective, who can be a bit of a chameleon. When I'm speaking to a victim, maybe very different than the way I'm speaking to a criminal. When I'm dealing with somebody who I suspect of being 
involved in periphery of terrorism versus somebody who might be planning a bank robbery. There's a different ways to approach those situations. You will find the men and women of the FBI and in law enforcement in general are really good at sizing up quickly who they're dealing with and what's the best approach. You see television a lot where it's the good cop, bad cop routine. The reality is that doesn't work. What you want to do is figure out what does work with the person you're dealing with and be able to communicate with them so that you can solve a case. Ah, so it's a lot of mental things, too, and being able to analyze people's behavior. Absolutely. You want to be open-minded in who you're uh, speaking with. I've talked to a lot of criminals who have said heinous things to me during their confession, but my judging them in that moment doesn't help anything in solving the crime. So you sit, you listen, you keep a straight face, you nod occasionally as you make your notes, all the while thinking, this is really terrible stuff, but I'm not going to say that to him because I want him to keep talking. You have to be in control and use your common sense. That's one of the best skills you can hope for in looking for a good person for law enforcement and the FBI. Wow, that's tough. Is there anything that you tell yourself or is there any tactic that you have to be able to keep a straight face in those moments to not kind of outburst at someone who says these heinous things? This is a lot of what the FBI looks for when they're recruiting. We want people who can control their personalities and control their temperament. And it's also the importance of the training once you get out of the academy and go into the field to get the experience. After you've done it over a period of time, those are skills that you develop. I do recall my days back in a police officer being bothered by the actions of some. I'm still bothered by when I see these horrible crimes, but you develop the skill set to be able to control those feelings. It doesn't help anybody to not do so. And again, the more you can control yourself, the more you can work with the person you're interviewing, the better you can build a case. Absolutely. It's such an admirable thing because it is. It's it's hard to put yourself aside sometimes for the greater good. And I guess if you just tell yourself, I'm doing this for a reason, I'm, I'm trying to bring justice to the victims and their families. And that's, I'm, I'm sure that helps as well. Uh, what, what's something that you think people don't know about the FBI? Something interesting that you're like, I bet people don't know that we actually do these types of things. Or it could be something that people get wrong about the FBI, something, you know, like something that is done in movies that isn't actually real like virtually everything uh, <laughs> and and by the way i consult on movies so i know firsthand that, oh uh, that's, that's awesome that's really cool yeah so some of the things in the fbi is i think when you watch movies and stuff it's all about uh, the guns and the, the arrests uh and things like that But the reality of the job, while all that's important, and yes, we do train regularly, everybody who's an agent carries a weapon and has to be proficient and qualify most times a year. We all have families, too. And we have another side of our lives, and we want to go home and spend time with them. The job, however, can be very demanding. It is not atypical that an agent will work a 10- or 11-hour scheduled day, five days a week, but you're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are many times that you will be called in. I have missed birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas, because something happened and you had to leave your family and go to work. 
That's the kind of dedication you see from the FBI personnel that they're willing to do that so that others, you and the listeners, can be at home and enjoy their families and be safe. A lot of sacrifices you make in this career. The men and women of the FBI do that and sacrifice every day. Absolutely. It's something that we we all need to be appreciative of because our, our it takes a lot to make our world go round and criminals don't take breaks. And, you know, sometimes criminals do not observe holidays. So it's it's true. You guys are the ones who are showing up when those things happen. You know, John, I want to end with this question. I read your bio and some of the really big cases that you've been involved in. And I'm just curious, are there any super odd cases that are maybe smaller ones or ones people didn't really know about that you're like, wow, that was really a weird, a weird thing I had to do. There are so many nuances and oddities in various investigations. I think the public would find it ironic that some of the things we do and see. I actually wrote a book about all this called Disorderly Conduct, looking at some of the oddities and funny stories in the FBI. So when you think of criminals, they're not necessarily masterminds and geniuses. So I had the individual who robbed the bank and decided to make an escape on foot, but he had a peg leg. Uh, for one, uh, having been an amputee. So he's literally trying to get away from bank robbery at a very slow pace that you could hear where he was going and getting away. Uh, Things like that, that just like, what were you thinking? I had another bank robber that decided in the middle of winter, he was going to jump into the river behind the bank and swim away. Well, he almost froze to death and had to be rescued in the process. So Again, you're not always working with the criminal genius. Now, there are some smart ones out there, but there's a lot of not so smart ones as well. They still have to be found and captured. And so those are some of the things that law enforcement deals with. That's an interesting thing to point out, because sometimes, obviously, there's acts of passion, different types of crimes. But when I think about, let's say, a bank robbery, I kind of think of a more cunning criminal, someone who's thought this through, they know exactly what's going on. But I guess the fact of the matter is, is not some people just are like, I'm going to go rob a bank today. A lot of times criminals are motivated by the moment and they decide that they're going to go and commit a crime. Some are more sophisticated than others, but they all have the commonality of they're being selfish. They're doing what they want to do at somebody else's expense. Some of them can be downright dangerous as well, just because they're not smart doesn't mean they're not evil. And that's where that blue line gets involved and stands in the way to keep the good people safe. I see. Well, I am motivated in this moment to express my gratitude to you for coming on and shedding light on everything that the FBI does. Special Agent Yonarelli, you have been amazing and you continue to do such incredible work. So thank you for everything you have done, everything you will continue to do. And thank you for joining me today. Abby, it's my pleasure. And remember, it's not me. It's the FBI and the men and women of the FBI keeping people safe. And they do a great job every day. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about the role of the FBI. Number one. Part of the reason the FBI was created was to address crime that was happening across state lines. The FBI was a way for local agencies to save money and resources so they themselves didn't have to travel away from their local jurisdictions. Number two, 
Here's the breakdown at the top of the FBI. The FBI director will report to the attorney general, who then, of course, reports directly to the president. Our current FBI director is Christopher Wray. He reports to Merrick Garland, who then reports to President Joe Biden. And number three. John says that only the strongest, smartest, and most disciplined people can make it to the FBI, but to them, it's more than just a job. Agents in the FBI will dedicate so much of their life into this line of work, and according to John, it's one of the most rewarding things you can do, and we here on this podcast thank everyone who puts their life on the line so that we can remain safe. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on the role of the FBI. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com, and don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.